Yeah. Well, let's do this thing. So sounds good. Sports card strategy show brought to you as always by marketmoversapp.com by sports card investor. Murph and I want you to go there and we want you to sign up and we want you to use the promo code no off season, all lowercase, because it's going to save you 20% on the best place to track the data of your entire collection and learn who to buy low and when to sell them high. You get the historical graphs and charts so you can anticipate like my man Murph does, what is the potential higher sale price of this card based on its historical data? If this player pans out or if this particular grade pans out. Um, so yeah, we want you to do that. And, and Murph, I, I want to kick off today's show by just, just a big blanket statement. I just want to okay. say, this, I'm, I'm excited for this. I am all about blankets. <laughs> I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad you like blankets. And this statement qualifies as a big blanket. It is, okay. It's a pleasure for me to be in a position where I can spend a considerable amount of time organizing both physically and digitally a large collection of sports cards and get mm-hmm. so much excitement out of just the thought of selling them maybe buying more, maybe getting them to a collector who really wants them, or maybe just trying to get as much money, squeeze as much money out of a, out of a card as I possibly can. You know, it's all those factors. Just get me excited. They get me pumped up. They get the juices flowing. Like today I'm sitting here and, you know, we can talk more about this, but, you know, I'm going through like all these pictures that I took when I was in Tennessee of my, my childhood collection. And, you know, I'm going through a bunch of cards that are maybe worth a few cents each. Um, okay. But I got like a ton of like Emmett Smith, Magic Johnson, Anthony Hardaway. There's some Chris Weber. There's some David Robinson, Carl Malone, all these guys. And, you know, I'm getting chills. I'm getting chills here just talking about these players. <laughs> that's good because I want to target guys that really collect these guys' cards, you know, and I want to. Okay. I want to I want to send them links to nooffseason.com and I want to say here's the entire collection that I have of John Stockton cards. You know, yeah. like I want to get them to you. Do you want to make a trade? Do you want to make an offer for them? You know, I'm just excited about that right now. What do yeah. you what what are you what do you think of that and what's getting you excited about the sports card hobby these days? Well, I'll I'll take your first question first was what I think about that. I, I think that, you know, you, you've got, I mean, just send them the link to your website and, uh, and, and talk about, you know, the good old days of 80s and 90s NBA basketball, the glory days for us to where we knew every player, every stat, watched probably six games a week, you know, things like that. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I think that the, that the players at, at that time are, are, they're already done the value is already there and they'll just kind of cyclically go up in terms of the market. You know, you did mention a player there, which I, I think is kind of interesting and it may follow the Steve Kerr mojo of, of uh, his cards being like $50 if they're graded at a 10, which is just insanity that Steve Kerr's like Cavs card is worth that. Um, is Anthony Hardaway. Um, he's, turned into a at least a great recruiter we don't know if he's a great coach yet but he's at least a great recruiter potentially turning turning some heads there at memphis 
Um, you know, does he stay at his alma mater, turn that into a superpower, um, such as uh, Kentucky? Or does he go to a big time school here as some aging coaches are starting to quit their job? And all of a sudden, is he become an iconic coach, turning his what is likely a $12 card into maybe something in the hundreds? So I think those old all things that you've got to think about but the vintage card market is something that i enjoy it's really the only thing i know really at this point i'm, I'm so it is just kind of fun and then in terms of uh the card collection today i'm just trying to find my way i really want to talk a little bit today about your collection and what you're doing and what you're seeing i mean i go to your instagram almost every day and i see that you've got a five dollar auction starting or a $25 auction starting, or today I saw a 99 cent auction starting, and I would just be really interested for somebody like me who is just gonna be doing his first grading ever over the course of the next couple of months. You know, what's the, what's the skin in the game for me? And, and what are you doing with some of these auctions and some of these ungradable cards that you're just throwing out there to see what happens? I think that's really interesting for, a 40 something year old guy who doesn't have as much time as maybe what you do to organize and to digitally display and stuff because you're all in as one of your Instagram says I'm all in um, and I think you're all in on that player and you're all in on the hot um, and uh, so it's just for me it's just finding the time to get these things in the mail and then just wait for my tuxedo box to come in and then reveal the grading here on the show so I'm excited about it. It's fun. I went to a card. I went to a card shop last week. Never thought that I'd do that again, but I went, and it was a really good time. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So are you gonna go ahead and have you sent anything into SGC to get graded yet? Where are you at with that? I have an F grade on that. I have all the materials. I just haven't had the time to do it. So, and that's the thing about the forty-something or the thirty-something or even the fifty-something who's trying to find the time. And we want to keep it easy. We want to do a few things, but we also want to have fun and make some money along the way. And you're in a good spot. These are cards from your childhood. You've invested a few dollars in some penny savers and, and or some penny sleeves and some card savers. And some semi-rigid card sleeves. I mean, all these things I never even thought I would say, but I'm asking people at the shop, do you got any uh, semi-rigid, you know? Oh yeah, we got them right over there. I'm like, ah. Perfect. I know the lingo. That's exciting. That's exciting for me. I also did. I also just asked some things that interest me. What are your boxes of mid '80s Fleer worth and stuff like that? That was kind of fun to find out what those prices were, and they're not cheap. What did you? What was? What were kind of some of the surprises from the card shop experience? First of all, it was crazy packed in there. Um, they had just got done with an auction, which I think is really interesting. So I may go one day and just see what the heck. You know, take a few dollars and just see what happens. Um, so there was just an auction that was leaving. Um, it was pretty, it, like I said, it was pretty packed in there. Um, I was surprised. Here's the one thing that surprised me. Oh, go ahead, Paul. Like, sorry to interrupt you, but they were doing a live auction for a card? Like, they were doing live, they do it every Saturday, apparently. They just do a live auction, and there's, I don't know, 15, 20 people in there. And they were doing um, just various different things that they had, and they announced apparently on their website, this is what we're going to auction off this week. And whoever wants to bid on them, bid on them. So that was just ending. It was probably 10 minutes left. So there was a lot of just um, 
you know, residual people still in there just talking to the owners and stuff. So I think if I go back again, I'd probably go kind of midweek, you know, if I can find a little bit of time out of work and just go for 30 minutes, because it's not that far away. Um, I can just go and talk to them without having, you know, 20 people there. So, because it was loud. It's not a big building. It's not a big space. Um, but people were excited about cards. And what I was saying is, what, you want to know the thing that really surprised me? Of their displayed cards out there, very, very few of them have been graded. Very few. Um, so I was interested in that. I thought that that would be an interesting topic of discussion at maybe today or at some point. But I expected to see nothing but PSA red and white labels and, and all of this there. I didn't see many. There were a few, but there weren't many. So I was kind of wondering, I was going to ask them at some point, it wasn't the right environment, but I was going to ask them why that was. I'm just getting back into the hobby. I'm just trying to understand it, dipping my toe into the pool. And um, I expected to see just nothing but that. Yeah. So it was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Now you're in Phoenix. So were there a lot of like local uh, Arizona players uh, being displayed? Or were no. there like pretty much all the popular that you would... It was all, yeah. I mean, it was all popular. I would say the vast majority of what was displayed was more modern stuff. Probably anything 2016 to present day. Um, there were a, a fair amount of, uh, of quote unquote vintage cards because, you know, I, I'm vintage at this point. Um, but there weren't as many as what I would have thought. And, and maybe that's, I was kind of wondering on the strategy of that. Is that to try to drive in the younger um, the, the younger buyer, the younger collector. Um, cause I wasn't looking at 1968s and 1990, 1990. I didn't know. I mean, I knew those players, but the players I knew were hundreds of dollars to buy those cards. So I was just really interested in, in what was there. There was a market for me there. There was a market for younger kids as well, which I thought was really cool. Well, I love that you went and supported your local card shop. You'll see the initials LCS online a lot in Facebook groups and social media and stuff. And so local card shop uh, is, is a great thing to support. I'm glad you went and got your semi and I'll, and I'll throw out the name. It's Hot Corner Sports Cards in Mesa, Arizona. So I just drove down there, drove down to the Hot Corner. I'll probably go to the Hot Corner one of these other days. But uh, yeah, it, it was good. I didn't support them very much. I literally bought $8 worth of things, but who knows? Maybe they want a wheel and deal for that 1984 box of Topps football cards that was 5700 If I brought in 30 $100 bills, would they think about it? I don't know. Maybe. You went in, you're going to go back. You're going to be a yeah. customer. You're going to build a relationship. It's going to be mutually beneficial. And if they want to It's going to be a lot of fun. Bill, I mean, maybe, maybe we bring them on as a show sponsor. You maybe know? we bring them on the show. Why wouldn't you? More traffic to them, both online and in person. You know, Mesa Absolutely. is a great place to be. I've been there before to visit you, and I will gladly go back someday, uh, assuming you will still be there. So um, let's talk about, you know, let's, let's stay on the vintage, uh, because okay. you are Mr. Vintage, and we want to talk a little bit about what I'm doing selling cards right now. And I think it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's important to talk about 
the actual act of selling your cards because I think a lot of times we and other shows um, talk about what a card's worth and, you know, we talk about what a card's worth like, like it's easy to actually get that money back and it's really not. It's not like necessarily trading a stock where you have active buyers all the time on that market or on that platform. And there are multiple platforms. It's more like selling an antique. You know, it's a little bit more like selling an antique. Oh, that's an interesting uh, parallel. Than selling, than selling your, uh, your stock, uh, for example. And so, um, but what it's really like, and I think you'll relate to this, because uh, you and I both have this experience professionally, is it's really like being sort of a B2B salesperson um, where you're, you're, you're able to connect with people who are interested in your, your collection based on what players you know you have and what players and teams that they say that they're interested in. And if you, if you treat it sort of like how you would treat a, a business-to-business sale, I think you can have a lot of success. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. So especially with the vintage. So staying on the, on the vintage note, I, I talked a little bit about it earlier in the show opening, but um, I'm, I'm fascinated by like people's Instagram profiles, people's Twitter profiles, and, and then Facebook groups, being able to go in and actually see and just skim, you know, all these different profiles and people telling you who they collect, who they piece, mm-hmm. what teams they're interested in, what players they're interested in. And so that's the process I'm in right now. I'm doing multiple things. That, that's what I'm doing with my vintage. Because vintage doesn't have the appeal necessarily that the modern market does on eBay. Um, so with the vintage cards that I'm going back through, it's more of a long play. It's more of a, okay, let me get this thing organized. Let me get these pages built on my website where I can easily display all the players that I have, all the cards that I have for this one player, all the cards that I have for this one team. Even people have commented on posts, like somebody commented on a post that you and I did about the 1989 NBA hoops box. And he said, hey, you know, I just like this set. I'll buy any of the Hall of Famers that you have from this set. And so I'm like, well, shit, I've got, you know, Dominique Wilkins and, and John Stockton and all these other guys. They're not, they're not guys that I want to keep. You know, I don't want to keep my Akeem Olajuwon's of the world. Um, I, want, yeah. I want somebody else who really likes that set or who really likes that player to do that. So my point is that it's a grind, it's a long haul, it's more fun, I think, to organize and sell your vintage cards than it is necessarily a return on your investment for your time. It might be a good return on investment for your dollar if you already own the cards. So from a vintage standpoint, um, I did just kind of want to hit that, you know, graded or ungraded. I think that there are some graded cards. I want to segue into graded cards now because the other thing that I'm doing and what I'm I'm constantly learning about eBay. I just started selling on eBay about three months ago. So I'm really, really new to selling on eBay. Um, I'm really, really new to selling sports cards in general. I was going to say, it's not, you're not, uh, you're not an old hat at this. This is, everything is pretty much new. No, I've sold a lot of uh, websites and digital marketing um, in my day, but I have not had a lot of experience in selling sports cards. And, what I'm learning about eBay is that um, what will sell on eBay are a few different things. Um, anything graded will definitely sell. But if it's not a 10, it's definitely not going to sell for what you thought it was going to sell for. 
at least right now in the market. You and I talked a little bit about that last week. We think that that could change yeah. in, the, in the future, but for now, it's just, it's, it's not even a nine or a nine five is not selling for anything as close to a 10. 80, 85% less than the 10. So exactly. exactly. So it's, it's about sort of managing your expectations. And one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm actually trying to move all of my non tens right now, anything that's not a 10, I'm trying to move it out the door. It's just, okay. it's just a phase of mine that I want to try to clear out all of the least valuable cards first. And I, cause I think the main reason is I want to learn on my least valuable cards. And, and by, by doing that, uh, I'm not only learning, but I'm also building a, a customer base. So that, that's the thing I actually really has pleasantly surprised me about eBay is I've been able to build more customer service um, based relationships than yeah. I would on eBay because eBay has restrictions around like, you know, what information you can gather from the customer and what you can mm -hmm. message each other without getting flagged or banned and things like that. So I'm in this phase right now of take a little bit of a hit on the card price, but play the long game of try to get all 100% positive feedback, try to have people want to uh, save me as a seller, which would mean um, anytime I list something, they would get an alert that I've listed something. Um, and then also just sort of practice the customer service game and, and, and also buying things. Like I've, I've, I've bought a few RPAs that we've talked about on the show. I'll, I'll, tell, yeah. I'll talk more about that. But buying things sort of helps understand like, you know, the other end of, of who you're selling to. So buying a few things every once in a while has helped me, I think, become a more strategic seller in a short period of time. And um, the last thing that, I'll, the thing that I'll close on right now on the eBay portion is you have to build up your eBay seller profile from scratch because it's not, if you list it, they will come, unfortunately. I think a lot of people, yeah. um, and that's going back to what I said a minute ago about, um, you know, let's talk about what it's like to actually sell these things because a lot of times we see on Sports Card Investor and on Market Movers app and other places, Card Ladder, there's all these other places where you'll look and you'll, just even eBay sold listings, you can go, you can get really excited. I've got this card. It just sold five times for $300. This yeah. is $300. I only paid 50 for it. Well, it's like, hold on a minute. There's a bunch of different factors here, not the least of which is you still have to sell that card. And you're, where are you going to list it? How are you going to sell it? Are you going to list it on your eBay account? How many people are looking at your eBay account? You know, so right. you mentioned my Instagram posts earlier, and I appreciate that. Um, a few things have helped me. Number one, getting on Instagram and creating content around the cards that are listed building a vanity URL. Um, you know, I, I, I have no offseason.com slash eBay. And so just on all my Instagram stories and Instagram posts saying, go to no offseason.com slash eBay, that URL redirects you to my eBay seller page where you can then go bid on the item. One thing I'm trying to do related to Instagram is get to 10,000 followers as quickly as I possibly can because at the 10,000 follower mark, you can do a swipe up to a URL. At that point, I can put in my story, just, just tap here or just swipe here and it'll take the person to the listing. 
So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to get there. A couple other things, you know, tweet about your, you know, build a sports card Twitter. Um, if you're trying to sell your sports cards, you got to build a sports card Twitter. You got to build even your own separate sports card Facebook account if you want to and just connect with a bunch of people that maybe you don't know, but they're into the hobby. Um, you got to do this because if I, if I list something and it could be the most attractive card I have, I'm not going to get squat on that listing unless I tweet about it probably 50 times. And okay. the last thing is Reddit going to a subreddit that allows you, you know, I hate subreddits that have all these freaking rules. You know, I hate rules. Nobody likes rules, you know? Who likes rules? Yeah, like nobody, nobody wants to, to get a message. That's my, that's, that's my contribution to the last five, seven minutes. Who likes rules? Who likes rules? So find a subreddit. There's one called Sports Cards for Sale, and there's one called Sports Card Listings. I've, I've posted all of my eBay listings as a URL post to those, and, and they do help. And so, you know, you got to post, 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 market, 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 sell, sell, sell. You got to have good customer service. This is not unlike our jobs, Murph. This is not unlike I, I, I actually, it's, it's eye-opening. And the last, we've done what, six of these, five of these? And, and, and it's, been, it's been fun for me to, to learn more about this. The thing I learned about today is, you know, I can have the, have the asset. I can find it because that's most of my stuff right now is I'm not going and buying anything. I'm just finding what I actually have. Um, you got to get it graded if you want, but that's, and then you get it back and you open it up, but that's really just the beginning. Like, you know, I think normally you're, you say, okay, well, I don't have an eBay account. I don't really do a lot of social media just simply because I don't care about it. But the, the, um, the interesting thing is, is like I could go and I could post a really great card, even a 10, right? And nobody could even know it's there. I've got to do all these different things to be able to build up a base um, and then be ready to sell something. It's not just because I get a graded 9, 9, 5, 10, and I have it at a really good price that anybody's going to buy it. I think that's, you know, really interesting. I mean, you always knew that nobody was going to buy it, but is anyone going to see it could be the question. Yeah, that, that's the big point. Is anyone going to see it? Now, people will definitely want to buy it because it is, if you got the card, then you got the card and it is worth the money. Don't get me wrong. But what we're talking about here in this conversation is how do you get the maximum value out of it? How do you look at that $300 sold price and go, I'm going to go get that? Well, if you, you can list it on eBay and you might sell it for $55 or $75 in spite of the, three, the most recent $275 sold comp, $300 sold comp. And you yeah. might okay with that and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want that maximum sold comp, which we all do, of course, you know, that's where you definitely have to play a little bit of this game. So now there are <laughs> consignment services. There are other ways to not have a whole lot of time invested into building up your own personal brand from a sports card perspective. I'm not sitting here telling every 40-something-year-old guy that you've got to invest all this time in building a personal brand for sports cards. But I am saying that if you do expect a real liquid uh, liquidity from these, these uh, graded cards or ungraded cards someday, 
then you got, you, this is something to think about, right? It's something to think about like, yeah. how am I actually going to move these? Um, and and the, the, the people who do it best have built up their own network of people who want to buy from them. Now, the one thing we haven't talked about yet is card shows, right? Um, you could certainly, you could certainly get all your cards graded, completely ignore everything I just said and go to a card show and you could move them. And if you move yeah. them, and if you move and and the other thing is timing, right? So, you know, you go to a card show now, you might be moving a lot of NBA guys for the max price. You might be moving a lot of NFL guys for the max price. Yeah. Maybe even guys left in the MLB playoffs for the max price. But you you know, you're probably not going to be moving a lot of uh basketball guys in the summer or baseball guys in the in you know, right now, right? Like show there, there's a cyclical nature to this. So, yeah. There's the timing, there's the seasonality, which is great because it's easy to predict. But you can find card shows around you um, and, and get the hot guys from the right sports at the right time. You could be golden and you don't even need social media. So there's a lot of people out there doing so, that. So, Paul, let me, let me ask you this. I'd like to go back to your, to your eBay here real fast. So, you know, you, you do a, a really great job of displaying your cards on your Instagram, displaying the cards on eBay. I'll give you a little shout out, nooffseason.com. Through, uh, through, through Instagram there. I check you out almost every day, see what's going on in the card collecting world of Paul Hickey and nooffseason.com. Um, you know, how many people just buy it straight up? How many people involved in, in an auction? I mean, I'd be interested. I've, I've seen, I saw a, a, a couple of Kenny Gainwells out there recently. I've seen multiple Trevor Lawrences that you've had out there. Um, so I'd just be interested, like, you know, who's involved, what kind of bidding do you have? Do you have people to just buy it? Do you have people to throw out bids? What, what does that look like for, and, and you said, hey, I'm not giving, I haven't seen a lot of your tens because I think to your point, you're working through your nines, you're working through your nine fives to, to test the waters on something where you, if you lose 20% it's, or 30% on it, it's $8 yeah. instead of 100. So, you know, what, what are you seeing in your, in your eBay auctions and your purchases and your selling right now? Are people negotiating with you? Um, how low are they trying to get you to go? Talk about that for a second. I would just be interested. Yeah. Well, this is one of the reasons why I, I'm in this for the long haul, not, not so much just for the passion for the cards themselves, but I, I really do like uh, transactional conversations. And, yeah. so, you know, you know me, I, I love to trade when you know, I, I traded more than anyone for our fantasy football league. Like, like you, I, you traded a championship caliber football team to nothing. Yeah. Um, a, a zero win team with the lowest possible scores I've ever seen in my life. You managed to do it, but you built it back up again. I was so. very good at, I was very good at drafting players that were going to be good one day. And then as soon as they were about to be good, trading them away. Trading him away for a, to a you know a twenty nine year old running back on his last legs. Okay, go ahead. So I'm going to give a few specific examples of some some transactional situations I've had recently. Real quick, I want to run. I'll run you through a few examples. So like one yeah. example is, you know, I I decided to list the Killian Mbappe SGC eight 2018 World Cup sticker. Okay, so it's it's a pretty sought after card in a in a ten or even in a nine five. I decided to list an eight. And I listed it for a starting bid. And I'm just feeling my way through the dark on these things. I'm like, 
should I list it for a starting bit of 99 cents? Because that's pretty yeah. what eBay is always suggesting that you list something for is 99 cents. But I'm just, I'm not, I'm not always a huge fan of that. So I'm like, you know what? I'd love to get at least $20 for this card. It's in an SGC slab. I spent $30 to get the card graded. I'd like to get two thirds of my money back on this at least. And so I, I started it at a low bit of 19.99. And okay. lo and behold, seven days later, I had had one bid and it was for 19.99. And I sold the card to the guy for 20 bucks. And okay. that's an example of what I was talking about earlier where, you know, you, get, you gain the relationship. Because I was able, the guy was super happy. I got him the card right away. I messaged him. I'm like, I got more Mbappes. I've got like four tens four nine fives a bunch of nines and he's like great send me photos right so now now i've got this guy in my database if you will my sale my crm my yeah. crm and you get to say mbappe like five times a day i mean that's fun that is super fun and i can go back to this guy and i can say do you want an mbappe now and i can do it at a time when mbappe's cards are starting to rise a little bit more in value okay. so there's there's that situation and i, I bring that up because oh, I would say 75% of the time, I've been getting one bid on a card. And it's the minimum bid, okay. selling it to the person for the minimum bid. Now, the other 25% of the time, it's way more exciting than that. Way more exciting. So another okay. example is, I listed a Peyton Pritchard. He's a point guard for the Boston Celtics. I think he's like their third point guard. He's going into his second. Okay. I'm not a huge, like, I'm not a huge guy of, um, you know, total flyers, shots in the dark, but there's a lot of guys in the hobby that are like fascinated by the rookie or the second year that could maybe do something. And maybe they, you know, there's a bunch of different reasons why people might like a guy. And this guy happened to be hot at the moment for some reason. Well, I had a Panini crown Royale rookie numbered, um, and it had gotten an SGC 10. And Crown Royale is a die-cut card. So a lot of people love these die-cut cards. And so I listed the SGC 10. I'm like, you know, it's the only card I got of this guy. Let me throw it out there and see what happens. Well, I listed it for 99 cents because I wanted to test what's it like when you list a card for 99 cents. Well, lo and behold, within one day in a seven-day auction, there's like 20 bids on this guy. And he was already up. The card's already up to like, you know, $45. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, you know, yeah. Mbappe is the best soccer player in the world. And I get one bid. I got the third point card, 10th man off the bench in Boston. And this thing's going for 45 bucks. It's going for 45 And ended up okay, that's interesting. Card for over $100 for the SGC 10. So when you lose, you lose $10 on the Mbappe, you gain $70 on the Peyton Pritchard card, and you got to yeah. stuff like that going on. So the last thing I'll say is you asked about negotiating, right? Well, interesting, interesting thing happened today, actually. I listed a Justin Herbert rookie patch numbered to seven. And By the way, love that guy. Just going to tell you, love him. I know. Be fantastic. I, I mean, Herbert is kind of an enigma in the hobby right now to me because I believe as a player he's going to continue to, to – do very, very well for himself in his NFL career. Yeah. The weird thing with him is his card value is so high, so high, even compared wow. to 
even compared to like Peyton Manning and John Elway and all sorts of other guys that you're just like, you know what? If for this guy's card value to rise anymore, he's going to have to be better than Brady. He just is. (laughs) Cards are just. Oh my gosh. Seriously expensive. So I'm sitting there with a Herbert card and it's probably worth about $200. And I'm thinking, okay, what could be time to move this thing? It just, right. Yeah. I'd rather have the $200. So I put it out there and, um, I, I decided to, I had already listed it on eBay as a buy it now only, not at an auction. And I had okay. got offers and I had accepted the offers for around $200 and the people never paid. Now this happens too. Sometimes you, sometimes you sell a card and the, the purchaser doesn't pay. And what happens in that scenario is uh, you just wait until eBay tells you that you can relist it for free with no penalty. So I just relisted it. Okay. And so I, I list this Herbert card and it's a $36 opening bid is what eBay suggests. And I'm like, ah, whatever, I'll, I'll take what they suggest. So, I'll, so within, within like a few hours, it had two bids and it was up to $37. Now this means with seven days left in the auction, this thing's going to sell for over a hundred dollars. You know, you get that kind of traction. It's going to sell for over a hundred dollars. So then um, somebody who had bid on the card, but then been outbid sent me a message and said, can I buy this now from you? I'll give you 180 for it. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. So I had to basically end the auction early, um, relist it, send him the link to the new listing, all the while kind of hoping this guy's not screwing me over. Well, it worked out. Right. He paid right away. I got my $180. Now, the thing I like about that is, Going back to what I said a minute ago, it's work, right? You're checking this thing. You're checking your eBay. You're, che- you're posting about it on Instagram. You're posting about it on Twitter. It's one yeah. card. I've got the cash in my bank account now. I don't have to worry about posting about it. I can yeah. post about other cards. So there's all sorts of stuff. Well, yeah, it's fun. But I like the, the Yeah, well, I think that's, you know, are you making a few dollars? For sure. You know, do you have your, I mean, this is part of, part of your day job. I mean, obviously you've got data driven design that, uh, that is, that is big. And then this is something that, uh, that you're significantly a part of as well. I like talking about the players, um, and, and what could end up being a really great career for Justin Herbert, but it's shocking that you're telling me that this guy is going for 200, $300 already. And there's not, I mean, other than having a really good start to the season, and he has. He has looked great. This is a sophomore leap potential along with Joe Burrow in, in Cincinnati. Um, but it's just shocking to me that you're saying, oh, if when do you buy the dip on Justin Herbert? Let me ask you that. And this may be our last little thing that we talk about today. I mean, when do you buy the dip? What does it have to dip to before you're going to go into the well and use some of the cash that you have on hand right now from some of these eights, eight fives that you're selling and go get yourself a 10 Herbert. How much does it have to go down based on what you're seeing? 60% because the hype machine is just going. What does it need to go down for you to get into the mix? I think, you know, I got to see Herbert make a strong playoff run because I'm learning that winning games in football means more than anything else, especially for quarterbacks. And just like, it's weird shit in the hobby, but like a walk-off home run for a no-name player 
means way more than a solid string of games for a superstar for their yeah. to go up. So for Herbert, for me to buy in, you know, they're, they're, I wouldn't expect a huge dip, but it would have to be probably, let's say the Chargers win a playoff game this year and yep. then they get forgotten about for the next two or three months. There will be a little bit of a dip on Herbert. That would be a good time to get in because it's like, okay, well, now he's had two amazing seasons. He's led his team to the playoffs. He's won a game. Now you're looking at like someone like you who knows the sports side of things very well could come to the conclusion that maybe this guy could be a Mahomes, a Manning, a Brady, an Elway type type talent and have that type of a career. Just a playoff quarterback year after year after year after year and, 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 and be that franchise guy. You know, I mean that's the that's the thing that you're that you're looking for. Yeah, you you're in now now you're into Herbert for the long term not as a quick flip, and you can make some money off of it. But there, there is no quick flipping ju- a guy like Justin Herbert right now. Um, not right now. It's, it's people, okay, all right. This, I got a couple of names for you, Paul. Yeah, I go got ahead. a couple of names for you that I just think are interesting. Because uh, I think they're in good situations, and I think they're around. They're, they're, this is in the NFL. Okay, I'm going to throw you a couple of names. The first one is Van Jefferson. All right. I'm thinking you can go and get some pretty good cards for this guy for like five bucks. All right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I like about Van Jefferson. He's got a great quarterback that's probably going to play another four quotes. Great quarterback. Okay. Um, He's he's with a a very competent quarterback that uh, he's in a good offense with two players on that are currently above him who typically get hurt, who always miss five or six games. This guy was basically playing freaking special teams last year, and now he's catching balls, getting seven targets from one of the best quarterbacks in the, in the NFL right now. I like this as a buy low candidate. I also like a little guy by the name of K.J. Osborne. He has made a massive jump from special teams. That's all he did in Minnesota last year. I think he played like seven snaps or something like that on offense. Adam Thielen isn't getting any younger. Chris Carter is not walking through that door. This is a pretty solid team, pretty good organization. I'm not totally a Kirk Cousins believer, but I'm telling you, when you move from special teams and now you're getting eight targets a game in Minnesota, that shows improvement. A lot of these guys are special teams guys for years. And now all of a sudden you're getting seven, eight targets a game. I just have a feeling you get a chance to buy an SGC 10, PSA 10 on, a, on, those, on these two guys. I think you're going to be happy a few years from now. Just my call of the week. Murph, before I comment on those two, do you got anyone else? Because you're on fire right now. Who, who else do you have? Quez. Give me Quez. In Philly, that's another one. He is so deep. Quez is going to take off Rieger in no time, all right? Rieger was a, 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 what was he, a first, second-round pick last year, highly regarded. I'm telling you, it's just a matter of time before the talent, when you've got the Devonta 
and Quez show going on with Jalen Hurts in Philly. They got a long ways to go, but I'm telling you, those three guys, five bucks for tens, 50 later. That's my calls of the week. Oh, you're the best, man. This is awesome. Uh, you're getting me excited. So first of all, I will share. And I, know, it, I know we got. I, I only have like seconds left, and I gotta let you go. I know we gotta wrap it up. You can drop off at any point, and I'll. I can. I'm I, gonna drop off right now because I do have a con call. But talk about those three guys because I like them, and you should too. I gotta let you go. Nooffseason.com sports card strategy show. Marketmovers.com. No off season, all lowercase. Get your trends and find out what Van, KJ, and Quez are doing today. Paul, we'll talk to you later. Murph, great stuff as always. So here's my analysis on what Murph just said, everyone. Basically, I am so pumped because I just got a Van Jefferson 2020 Panini Black RPA numbered six out of 99 for only $31 all in on eBay. I have already received it and I'm ready to watch Murph's predictions come true on Van Jefferson. I also read that Van is one of the top route runners in the NFL and that he has been running routes with some of the top guys in the off season. And even the top guys admit that Van Jefferson is one of the best young route runners in the NFL, if not the best, which took me by a huge surprise. And so putting all the pieces together with everything Murph just said about Van Jefferson playing with Matt Stafford on a great LA Rams team that should be making it far into the playoffs this year, he could be their future number one wide receiver. So I'd like to at least 3x, maybe even 4 or 5x my investment on that $30 RPA. Now let's talk about KJ Osborne because <laughs> I know a lot about the NFL, but I do not know a lot about KJ Osborne. And that's why I wanted my man Murph on the show. So I am looking at KJ Osborne rookie ticket autographs as well as RPAs right now. There's some contenders rookie ticket autos listed on eBay right now. And they are all being bid on, but they're all under my budget, way under my $50 per card budget on these types of things. And there are people in the hobby that are thinking very highly of KJ Osborne because there are some buy it now or best offers that are up around or over $100. So KJ Osborne definitely gaining some momentum. Great call there by Murph. I might look into buying some KJ Osborne myself this week. Now, Quez Watkins is a guy that Murph is high on. I'm the Jalen Rieger guy. I got a Jalen Rieger RPA earlier this week for well under my $50 per card budget. I believe it was under $30, right around $25. I've got that listed on nooffseason.com right now. I think the value of that card should go up as Rieger is bound to have at least a few good games. Quez Watkins, though, let's take a look at him. I mean, there are autographed prisms, green pulsar, auto silver, playoff ticket auto. There is a pink hollow auto. These are all for auction and they're all under $10 currently. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to go for under $10. They could go for $200. We don't know yet, but these are very affordable to bid on. Get in the mix on Quez Watkins. I'll tell you, there's not many people I trust more than Murph on these types of predictions. So 
We're putting all the pieces together on the Sports Card Strategy Show. We're bringing you my intense learning in the hobby, and we're bringing you Murph's intensity as it comes to player scouting and just having an amazing gut feeling on what's going to happen. Everybody, thank you so much for watching and listening to the Sports Card Strategy Show brought to you by Market Movers app by Sports Card Investor. Use the promo code NOOFFSEASON, all lowercase, to save 20%. I'm Paul Hickey with NOOFFSEASON.com. Thanks again for watching and listening. Everybody, have a great day.